0: Hey, Dinks! Welcome to Dentists in the Know. This is your backstage pass for current trends, politics, and education in the dental world. I'm Dr. Jeff Borowitz. With me is Dr. Jennifer Bell. You know her as JB and Dr. Chad Duplantis. We are all practicing dentists. We are all educators, and we are all business owners. Our job is to bring all of you in the know. So, guys, we're going to we're going to change it up a little bit tonight. Um, we're all we're, we're so glad that all of you have joined us tonight. It's a very special night, very special way to kick off the new year for us. Um, you know, when whenever any younger dentist and they're pretty much all younger these days. But whenever a younger dentist asks me, what's the number one piece of advice you could give to a new dentist? And it, it's always the same thing. Find a mentor, find a philosophy, find a mentor, find a philosophy. And don't worry about the cost of CE because there is no cost to quality CE that it will always come back three, four, five, 10, 20 fold in the long run and it will create and maybe spark a passion for you that you didn't even know you had. And uh, there was a point in my career where I had just had a lot of CE that I had done, you know, just, um, you know, kind of haphazardly, um, always been a, a big CE junkie, but just had a hard time putting all of the different philosophies together and, and making them meld somehow. And it was in a phone conversation um, with a gentleman at, at Frontier Dental Lab, And um, he was my lab tech at the time, and uh, his name was Brent. And I said, Brent, you know, I've I've got a lot of conflicting things here. You know, I noticed that when I articulate a lot of cases that are really the occlusion was pretty stable, there weren't any problems, and I put them on the articulator, I find that I'm introducing more error to the case than there was, you know, if I had just stuck the models together. And in other cases, I don't like the way the models get mounted because we've lost all we've lost all concept of what the patient looks like and the orientation of the teeth and the and the true x-axis and the midline and the canting of the arch. And and so I said, Brent, you know, I, I need to put some of these philosophies together and And, you know, I don't like how many patients are getting locked in because of these heavy buckle cusps that are being built out. He goes, Jeff, you need to go see John Coyce. And um, I wish it were earlier in my career than it was. But when it was, was good timing because I was in a position where I could just go out and sign up. He said, you need to go listen to John Coyce. John's going to explain a lot of these things that you're talking about, how when somebody has stable function or healthy function that maybe sometimes just sticking the models together is the best form of articulation as opposed to introducing a lot of error. He's going to teach you a way to actually articulate where you're also going to get information about aesthetics at the same time. And I said, well, if he just does nothing more than that, I'm sold. And I went out to Seattle, um, signed up. Uh, was all in, and I was absolutely blown away by everything else that came with it. Um, risk management, um, organization, you know, development of systems and and just one of the darn nicest people that I've ever met that never, ever made me feel too stupid to ask a question. So I don't think we need a formal introduction for the man that I'm about to bring on. Uh, But I will say that he is someone very special to me in my career. I know he is to you, JB, and to so many dentists around the world. John, thank you for taking some time to be with us tonight. Thank you. And Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year to
1: you. to you. Happy New Year to you.
0: Thank God Jennifer didn't do the news because she'd have just brought you down. It's usually bad news. Yeah. So
2: and actually, and Jeff, you gave great information because there was just an article published that if uh, you want to hand articulate, MIP is the best. Yeah, just no <laughs> records. Yeah, just stick them together. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and, and and it was something that you know I would argue back with the lab, and and you know then you have these voices in your head from the old Pross Clinic that said, "No, you got to do it this way. You got to do the earbow," and the, and and it was just it was always a mess you know especially yeah. in in patients that were otherwise functionally functioning very well Correct. with a good solid dentition so i do spend a lot of time trying to undo the things we thought were right <laughs> well you undid quite a few for me and and um you know i i always start out any any talk that we have with you by saying thank you um and i know you hear this a lot and it it's probably uh hard to hear people say this so much but Thank you, because you did change everything about my career and my practice and and the way I think about dentistry and making me want to be better at every step along the way. So um, thanks for that. And I know there's some great things coming from the center right now. And um, maybe let's start, John, by talking about where the center was pre-COVID um, you know, and then what happened when COVID hit and then how you use that time to kind of develop some new plans and, and new developments for the koi Center.
1: Yeah. And just to remind everybody, the last time we had Dr. Kois on, it was in pretty much the height of the pandemic.
2: Yeah. yeah we were in, like everybody else, uh, trying to figure out what to do to move forward. Uh, you know, our our methodology for teaching didn't change that much. And it was a big blow for the center at that time. But, you know, right now we did take that time to really build out our digital platform uh, to a much higher level. And to be honest, what we see now is a huge resurgence on people trying to have live continuing education. So the center has really been uh, quite uh, busy and so I'm very excited about that. And I think that's a tribute to people like the three of you uh, that have been to the center and say nice things. And I'm very, very appreciative of all of that because I know it's genuine. And and but I, I really, really appreciate it.
3: I've noticed, too, because I follow the center and then I follow a lot of folks on Instagram. I think you're really bringing in a lot of younger we'll say young grads coming into the center wanting to develop and heighten their education. Um, Do you think, number one, what's their driver, their motivating force? Why do they feel ready and and willing and able to do that? And two, uh, is it a reflection on what they're not getting currently in their dental school education?
2: You know, it's it's, Jennifer, I think it's a little bit of all of those things. I think uh, number one, I'm not actually sure I'm bringing all the young people in in a sense that there are many different tracks of how the younger people are coming. One one of the definite ones are they're coming as associates of dentists that have already been here. Mm-hmm. So they're coming with a pre-planned heritage that they want to learn more about and fit into the practice that they're really enjoying practicing in at, at the moment. Uh, in fact, it's kind of funny when when I introduce myself in the morning to the dentists that arrive, many of them don't even know who I am because they've never seen me before. <laughs> they don't know what I look like or, or whatever it is. It's, it was never like that before. Yeah, but you're right. The, the demographics is certainly a lot younger. Uh, it makes me feel a lot older, but it's certainly a lot younger. And I really applaud them because, you know, many of the younger dentists are all in that survival mode, like like we were at one time, where if you breathe, I treat you, (laughs) basically, and I really applaud them for the sacrifices they make, because at least the demographics we, we have is very different than what you hear about young people. These are very motivated and very bright young dentists, and I'm very encouraged about the future of dentistry, Based on seeing the way that they perform and how much they care about their patients, it's really exciting. How young are
0: are um, some of the? I, I know for me, I didn't make it till I had what was it, maybe fifteen years under my belt until I made it out to you. Um, what are I mean are you are you getting any that are really
2: recent grads, like one or two years out now? Because oh, right out of school, absolute month four patients on charts. They have four charts. I mean.
0: And are you, are you finding that it's, it, it it's hard because, you know, one of the things that I noticed, especially with, with associates in the last few years is that some of them didn't get quite the clinical experience in dental school that many did because of COVID and the lockdowns. And, and so many graduated with, with fewer experiences. So it, do you find it harder or easier to teach those people because maybe you're not having to unteach as much? With them, yeah, no,
2: I, I get that. I, I guess it works both ways. I think uh, many times when you can't draw on personal experiences or things that you've been through, because it's very usual for dentists to say, "As I was speaking, I was thinking about the certain patient," and and maybe. Maybe when they're very, very early in their career, they may not have that patient to think about, but they're very engaged and they, they get it. So they're very appreciative of all the information and, and creating a level that they could apply in practice when they go back, because it's very realistic. And so they feel that maybe when they, even though they can't draw from a personal experience, they feel grateful that they won't create that problem maybe down the road. And, and stopping one patient that is maybe your train wreck or nightmare patient makes the whole course worthwhile to them. So I really feel there's lots of many reasons. Maybe there are different reasons that younger people are more attracted to the center than people like, like maybe when you were there as a seasoned veteran, it had maybe different motivational pieces, uh, in the background.
1: Hey, dinks. If you like what you're hearing, you know, what would be really cool. It'd be really cool. If you joined our Facebook group, Dennis in the know, or if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Dennis in the know, we'd love to have you join both groups and listen to us as much as your heart desires. Thanks for listening in.
0: Really. Um, I find it so interesting. And, and how hard is it to keep your finger on on the pulse of what everybody is asking for? Um, because th- there's this point, it, it's like when I was there with you and, and early on, and I was you know trying to talk. And, and one of the things I'll say about the center is that there is not a more inviting learning environment anywhere in the world. Every student gets a microphone. Every student has it feels incredibly comfortable to ask whatever question and and offer whatever input. And I remember, you know, in the early days of talking about airway and, and TMD and and just wanting to see more. But we also, I know you always have felt a huge obligation to make sure that that the science supports anything that that you're going to put forth. From that podium. So, how how hard is it to keep your finger on the pulse of what everybody is asking for, and then put it into format? You know, for for such a well
2: organized you know course load. I I would definitely say, and 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 understandably so. I mean, I go through twenty eight journals a month, and I'm constantly trying to update. The content at the center, for example, I know that Jennifer published in Inside Dentistry in October about uh, aligners and 3D technology and how it's been a big uh, benefit to her practice. And I know Chad published in the same issue a piece on using an intraoral camera, which is helping communication skills with patients. So I'm staying on top of a pulse on many different aspects as they're happening. And so I thought at this point in my career, education would be a lot easier, but the but the, the level of information and the volume of information is so expansive. It's been very, very hard to keep up and almost exhausting at times. But that same thing's created a huge level of excitement. You know, the digital technology didn't, didn't just add a new way of doing things or add new exciting things in practice, it also adds a whole level of things that we don't understand as well. And so it's created another whole track in the center along with our typical analog track. And so even for people like me that have tried to learn, you know, to go from a wax up from a spatula to a mouse is, is a really big change. And so being able to manage the change is absolutely necessary to survive in the future.
3: I I think, um, too, when you talk about, for me, it's just constantly trying to keep up with even just the evolutions within each product. So you bring on a 3D printer and they keep bringing on the new generations of software and uh, it's becoming a pretty daunting task for dentists in general to run a practice and keep all of this technology operational at the same time and and be the first line of defense for the technician in your practice when it's not working correctly. And, you know, as a clinician, I'm finding that to be such a juggernaut in what we're doing on a daily basis. And yet, to your point, you're able to solve problems that you never would have been able to solve before, because now you can integrate all these different pieces of technology to overlay one another to create this very complex working system.
2: Yeah, I have the benefit at the center now that I'm not alone and mm-hmm. I have I have more resources. Uh, we have our director of research, Marta, I know has been on the podcast before, and she's a wealth of information and been incredibly helpful for the growth on our digital aspect. I have my son, that Dean, that focuses on the surgery and and the pieces with implant therapy, uh, he's a wealth of information and a superb clinician. And my other son is the CEO managing the business piece. So we're working really hard. But to your point, Jennifer, you might laugh. I said to Mart, I said, we need to publish. We need to put together a standard methodology of managing printers because there's so they're not, certainly they're not plug and play and and the diversity of outcomes between uh, certain brands and and how it's been implemented is is driving dentists crazy. And she just left because it's not possible, you know, (laughs) it's just not possible. And so we are realizing, for example, now in Europe, there's a trend that because you're using 3D printers, you're now into manufacturing and so if you're into manufacturing there's a whole different level of laws that now may apply that they're not they're not there in the US right now but it may make it more difficult to have open systems and we may be forced to use closed systems to control the manufacturing to control how some of the technology is being used depending on how the government Restricts access to what we're doing. It's just really scary in, in some points as well.
1: So I, I have uh, I have so many questions regarding that, but I'll try and keep it to twelve. Um, <laughs> do you think that the disparity between the printers and dentistry is because they've been around so long in other industries, and there was no there was no real filter when people started when you know i mean i know that there's some very dental specific printing companies but there's so many people trying to get into the game do you feel that that's part of the disparity between the printers
2: i don't know chad i i think you know part of the difference especially in what we're doing is trying to make things fit on a micron level requires a controlled accuracy from the printers and a controlled use of the technology that we've not known before. If I, if I look back, just to think about how much science there was in making a reasonable alginate and pouring it in stone and something that you can use on an accurate basis, you know, the, the, the problems with printers is just the build angle and how you change the resins and how dentists sometimes freelance the parameters creates all different problems for us. So I'm not just, I'm convinced it's more than the technology piece itself. Uh, What we're realizing it is all the variability that's incorporated within a piece of technology that's creating a lot of problems for us. To get something to fit even a printed model is way more difficult than anybody can probably maybe think. Well,
1: I I think this is something really important just to pause on for a second. Um, and, And the next question that I have is somewhat related, but I had a young man in my office today shadowing me and we were talking about, you know, additive technology versus a mill. And you know, when you look at mills and the technology that's gone into mills, I feel that it's quite different than the technology that's gone in or the, you know, the software that runs a mill versus the software that runs the printing yeah. technology. I think there's a lot more variability in the printing software.
2: Well, definitely um, in terms of additive versus subtractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. For example, when we make appliances, we change the parameters depending on what type of technology we're going to expose it to because uh, a milled night guard or a subtractive technology is very different in how we look at uh, relief inside or or the things that are how much undercut you engage or how you build the restoration is going to be dependent on how the manu- how the restoration is to be manufactured. And so there's not one way to do it. No. No, and I, I I would love to see I you
1: know kudos to you for getting Marta there. She's fantastic. We really enjoyed having her on, but I can't wait to see some of the things that she would do, and and you know I would love to see some of the comparative aspects that you're talking about between the printers and even mills and digital technology, and maybe some sort of streamlining to those that are looking into purchasing this technology as to what they should be looking for and what they should you know stay away from or you know look for yeah
2: i think you know when she was on i'm sure she had a chance to discuss even with ios technology mm-hmm. you know the the lighting in the room the temperature in the facility the calibration protocols all those things create a huge learning curve in order to optimize the outcome for all this equipment so when you buy it, you think it's all about the money and how you're going to use it, but it's more about how you control the variables so you can get an outcome that you're looking
1: for. Yeah, she was way above oh, my she, head, yeah. so I just but agreed Marta, with everything Marta she said. Marta was
2: absolutely amazing, but that, and
0: that was so eye-opening for me, just understanding all all the little idiosyncrasies between the different systems, you know, of, of the intraoral scanners, but. You know, if you think about it, one of the things that that you talked about earlier, one of the books that you had recommended early in my time, there was something called The Dip. And, you know, when you when you take that plunge into doing something new and you've been doing it a certain way for a long time and, you know, there's going to be that point where, you know, things are going to go a little bit sour for a little while and you're going to have to learn how to work with it and and hence the the name the dip where you're you know you're functioning at this high level and then all of a sudden you you just kind of fall into this place of the unknown which is very uncomfortable for most dentists you know as you know but if you think about it for us in practice we experience that at at one level but to show you how broad this problem is with with printing technology and, and getting the parameters all corrected. You know, there was a really, there was a large aligner, uh, not a liner company, excuse me, a um a laboratory. I, I won't mention their name at all. Um very well-known laboratory. They they made appliances and night guards and things. And they actually created a fully digital lab somewhere else. So they had their lab here in the United States. It was great. I mean, one of one of the best, everything fit like a charm. And then they went to this all digital lab saying how everything was going to be smoother, but they couldn't get the parameters right. And so all the appliances that the dentists were getting back were just way too tight, like couldn't get them in. The dentists were all spending an hour in the operatory just trying to get these appliances in the mouth. And so you think about it, you know, it, it's not just us. It's it's even the people who have researched this to some degree that are experiencing that same dip with these digital technologies. So, you know, having someone like Marta around, I, <laughs> it, it it's it just says so much for the center and and you know, thank you for absorbing some of
2: the dip for us. You know, because that's what well, happens. You know, the other problem with the dip, it. It affects us all emotionally because what, what maybe created your identity is getting stripped away as the technology mm. changes. Mm. And so I have to keep evolving at the same time. I never wanted people to come to the center because of things that I developed or invented because what happens is you hold on to those things and you can't grow. And your identity is then attributed to that. That's why the tagline at the center is advancing dentistry through science. You have to keep evolving. And evolving makes us uncomfortable. But I'll tell you, one of the most encouraging things, I do think there is a really bright spot on the other end because I think uh, what it's helping to do is create a, a better level of dentist faster. Because, for example, it would take a lot longer potentially to get really skilled at doing diagnostic wax up than maybe trying to do it with the mouse and having the computer generate a file for you. Because there were many people that may never have had the skill level to do that, but you can do that on a computer. And it's, it's a very big game changer in maybe more ways than we ever imagined Because now people could get into the game at a different level. It doesn't take 40 years of practice necessarily to build a certain skill level. Because I always would teach people, you know, you don't have to learn to park a car if you could buy a car that parks itself. And so being able to leverage the technology to to close the gap between some of the skill sets we need. We need it is changing significantly what the market looks like. It's really very different. The landscape is very, very different. And so what we're trying to do is help dentists do that. For example, many of the younger dentists that we get at the center, they want to be able to use the technology, but they understand the technology. And they're already functioning at a very high level, even in the beginning years of practice. What they need is the tools to combine the technology with the clinical manifestations, and then they really soar. So it's a cool opportunity at this time. That's why I think dentistry is so exciting right now, uh, because some of the dip was a bad dip. Yeah. We had to get beyond in order to get to the other side. So... You just got to go through it. It is what it is, but we're going to get through it. And it's really exciting.
3: Hey, Dinks. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast today. Remember to rate and review your favorite podcasts. Subscribe and enjoy what you like or it goes away.
1: So I have a question for you with that being said, just this is maybe a little bit off base, but you're talking about the technology taking over. uh, And this was a debate that we had today. So just out of curiosity, do you think that waxing is still essential in dental school with all the technology that we have available? Or do you think that students should go straight to technology uh, for design before they learn how to wax or, or maybe even just avoid waxing altogether?
2: Well, I'll tell you something that's really interesting because here at the center, we we have, obviously, my background is doing lab work. and. Mm -hmm. in my training. And trying to adapt to the new technology changes in some ways visually what I get to see. In other words, when I look at something on a computer screen, I don't necessarily see it as I see it in full 3D on a model. So what's now happened to me is being able to have done it on the model helps me figure out what I'm looking for on the computer screen which you wouldn't normally see. And so there is a certain thing that helps your brain to maybe look at it a little bit differently than just looking at it at the computer screen because to see what happens to it also down the road is something that only happens. So I do think, and maybe that's what you were getting at, there is a need to see an analog piece of it in order to appreciate the digital piece of it. Yeah, and I I to me it, it it shows
1: me a like you uh, you said it. It shows me a little bit more of what I'm looking for. I don't think that I would be as adept digitally if I hadn't gone through the analog pain. And you know, I I really feel that it's such an important skill and I and I I hear that some of these newer dental schools are thinking about abandoning some of these things that we did all together. And i that kind of disappoints me. I don't, maybe they shouldn't spend as much time on it, but I think that it's a really valuable skill for dentists to learn prior to going digital. You
2: know, in education, Chad, there is some conflicting information about that point. For example, at least judging for myself, I didn't learn uh, the technology because there was no digital technology available when I was trained. I didn't either, Dr. Coyce, so there you go. Okay? I was talking for myself. <laughs> but, but to be honest, what what's happening now is some of the younger folks that have, you know, gone through more video games and gone through more of that technology at an early age, you know, even in the military, you know, if you want to be a drone pilot, they, they hire people that have video game background, not not pilots. <laughs> so, you know, you don't need to be a pilot to fly a drone. So it's very different when you think about how you use the technology. And maybe part of the problem is I don't see the digital technology in my brain the same way I would have if I've grown up with that technology.
1: Is what I'm getting it. I agree. I think it's I think we'll call it the Mr. Miyagi School of Dentistry.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I I mean, this is such an interesting conversation because I feel this way all the time. I know my way around that Panadent articulator and, you know, and my Kois face bow transfer and I can do a full mouth rehab and I don't care if the patient walks in off the street. I can make it work with wax. I can make it work with composite. I can get where I need to go. But at the same time. I think it also holds me back in the digital realm because I'm so focused on how I know that analog so well that I'm always trying to put the digital concepts into analog thinking or or vice versa in other words it's instead of me just going straight to digital and understanding that it's me trying to translate from one language to another And that's really where I have the difficulty because I'm trying to kind of watch it step for step and and it doesn't work that way, does it?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it gets really challenging because what we're doing is straddling almost the, the two worlds, but the reality is many of the younger dentists don't know the analog world, but I'm going to take it to another level for a minute you know, what if that wasn't necessary? Meaning that when I'm working with younger dentists, what are the problems they really have today? Maybe the things that we worried about are not necessary. Maybe some of the things, so when a dentist says to me, I'm successful in the way I'm doing it, what my challenge is, is why? Why is it that they could do that and not do all the things that we used to think may have been important, may not really be important. So what has to happen if we're going to grow is we have to embrace a, a much bigger picture. You know, people are always trying to think about uh, thinking outside the box. I think it's time we better build a bigger box because more things have to fit inside this box. So I I've taken a different tack. When you tell me you're successful doing it a certain way, I, I want to know why. You know, because Jeff, you could say, you know, you're very involved in in airway and TMD, and and how did you treat that TMD before we had the knowledge of airway, and you wouldn't even think about those things anymore. And and maybe now going back to what you did before. There were things that you're willing to leave behind because they weren't productive. They didn't create an outcome. And so part of moving forward is eliminating what's not necessary. Because we're 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 buried. We don't have enough time to do anything anymore. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's that's an excellent point.
1: I think we need to embrace the other generations, not just the younger generations, but the other generations and learn from one another exactly. as to why why they're successful. Uh, or why they deem themselves successful and, and be open to learning from them? Because I think we all feel that we have a lot to give, but the younger generations do as well.
2: Yeah, I, I don't, you know, there's always the challenge where people think they're successful, and maybe it's not really. So <laughs> right, I be yeah, careful about that. But uh, just to provide everybody with the benefit of the doubt, you know, there are people that are doing very well, and they don't do all the things that other people have recommended. And so we need to figure out why that's the case. So in
0: in appreciate that open-mindedness. And, and again, one of the one of my favorite things about coming out to the center is just that it's always been about being open to new ideas. And so, um, you know, there there are several people in the group that have been involved in airway that that I've been really fortunate to to get to know. Uh, people like Steve Lamberg and and Steve Acker, who are doing a ton with you now, John, and and you're actually doing some courses now that that address doing restorative dentistry. For the airway patient, and and so just moving ahead in all those directions, maybe maybe tell us about that and some of the newer offerings like uh, aligner therapy with COIS principles, some of
2: the some of the other adjunctive courses that you're offering. You know, I'm trying to respond. You know, one of the benefits of being in the environment I'm in at the center is I'm very involved in the students that come. Um, you know, the podium is 10 feet away from from my from our students. And they're my students, they're our students, they're our tribe. And all of you having been to the center, you can feel feel that when you're within the walls of the center or within the walls of anyone that's been to the center. I think what it's allowed us to do is respond to the newer challenges. And you mentioned one, and that's doing the dentistry on an airway patient or someone that you're concerned about airway issues. So there's two things is, uh, how is the airway impacting the way you do the dentistry on those folks? What does it do to the survival probability of what you're doing? And then making sure what you're doing doesn't compromise the airway on those patients and make them worse. So we're looking at both of those aspects. As far as aligner treatment, we're looking at taking our principles, part of our frustration and many of the students' frustrations, what, they're, what they come and they learn, they learn all these new things that are very progressive and very exciting. Then they go back to their practice and they can't find support systems. They can't find the labs that understand how to even make a night guard with this design. Or if you're working with companies that are all digital, they don't have the capability, to do some of these things. So sometimes our knowledge base is growing than our faster than our support technology. So what we're doing is we're now, many companies are stepping in to help because they understand what we're doing. And now when they come and they, get, they see what we're doing, they want to help also. So we're looking at building an Exocad course to help train young dentists to design what they want to build. We're looking at uh, also using aligner therapy for uh, managing some of our occlusal principles in the airway patients. So we're trying to be not only progressive, but build the support systems that dentists find necessary or they get too frustrated. It's so frustrating to know what you want to do, but not have the resources in order to provide it. So this is uh, why we've taken this next step.
3: I think it's fantastic, too, for grads who want to continue to take their COIS principles and have hit all of those roadblocks in their own practices and are wanting to now take that next step in their own professional journey to say, okay, well, I now have the bandwidth because I feel comfortable and I understand the principles and the practices within this scope. Now I want to continue to control the vertical, if you will, of how it all gets managed and executed for the patient. Because immediately upon graduating from your program, the biggest challenge was finding specialists who supported the theories that we were learning at the Koi Center and and particularly ortho because that's such a big piece of the puzzle for many patients. And you send them off and then you get them back and they... Still don't fit the, the the principles that you're looking for, and and you're trying to find that support system. So I love that you're embracing probably new grads that want to find that technology advancement, but also us old grads who are looking to continue to advance our journey in the educational process.
2: Yeah, you know, you know, Jennifer, I love the way you you express that. I think you know it was interesting because. He, a number of years ago, the bigger frustration in younger grads was getting the patients to accept complex or comprehensive treatment. But now, what the technology is doing is bringing the resources that complex treatment could be started on even people under budget restrictions. And and so, what you what you uh, the way you. Pr- uh, articulated is, and the, the dentists now have the bandwidth, and now they can add the technology and expand the practice much more, even if it's an insurance-driven practice, even if it has restrictions on on fee-for-service or, or not fee-for-service or insurance-driven, those things become mitigated by the opportunities now that are existing in the marketplace.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, can you tell us some of the other exciting things that are currently going on? So we've got ExoCAD, we've got Clear Aligner Education, and then you have your your normal continuum, if you will. And there may be listeners who don't really understand or know a lot about the Coist Continuum and, and what that process and philosophy looks like. So would you indulge them for a moment?
2: I'm always a little bit embarrassed because I, I I don't try to do these to be uh, an advertisement for the center. I, I appreciate the opportunity. so i'll I'll be brief. Uh, our core curriculum are are the basics of three things that I think every dentist needs to understand to secure their future. and those three things are risk assessment, understanding how to make the right decisions for patients, uh, managing where teeth go in the face, aesthetics. And certainly how to make the jaws fit together, Um, occlusion, whether it's with airway issues, whatever the issues are, those three things make you sustainable. Uh, Different products change, uh, different things evolve over time, but we have to be, be absolutely sustainable to be secure enough to feel good about what you're doing. So the way the center is designed is for not only people to be able to provide the treatment but to feel good about the treatment and gain confidence and there's the worst thing to do is go through your life as a professional as an imposter always trying to trying to make up things as you go along and and nobody wants to be that way in this day and age so our core curriculum basically services those main ingredients, and we find that dentists really want that uh, because their their education has gotten very fragmented. So the one thing that we try to do at the center it's 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 not a group of courses; it's a curriculum for practicing dentists. It's a graduate program for practicing dentists, as all three of you well know. But now we've been adding all these additional pieces to complement the core curriculum, which we've stabilized with uh, four, four, uh, five-day courses, pretty much.
0: Jennifer, I'm really glad you asked that. And I, I know, John, you're always very humble. And, and you know, we, in, in what we're doing in Denison and OAS, we are trying to be a source of information. That That's kind of our goal to be a source of information in an unpretentious and just straightforward manner. And, you know, going back to my initial statement, you know, it's not just I went out there, my life was changed. When I say that, I mean that because so many young dentists will say, I feel like I'm selling dentistry or I feel like I don't know how to present treatment plans. And I said, when you find the right mentor and you find the right philosophy, you're never selling anything ever again. You are, you know, I said, you know, we've been taught to like, okay, here's your Mercedes. Here's your Chevy. Here's your Hyundai. Forgive me for the, you know, for for throwing the names out there. But, and that's such a horrible way of looking at things. Once you truly understand risk and you can sit face to face with somebody and say, listen, here's what keeps you out of my dental chair for the longest amount of time. I can't guarantee that, but I can tell you that this is what science tells us will keep you out of this chair for the longest amount of time. This is not what you have to do. I'm not going to tell you to go home if you don't do this. But this is what keeps you out of this dental chair for the most time, according to the science. Here's another option if you can't afford that. And we're going to have to accept some risk. And by that, I mean you're going to have to accept the risk of, you know, us making a compromise. But I'm willing to do that with you to you know, improve your health for the time being. When you start learning how to have conversations like that that are based on risk instead of money or instead of, you know, something that I just went off this weekend and learned how to do all on four. So everybody's going to be an all on four patient. That dentist is going to sound like an all on four salesman. When you when you approach it from a risk perspective, I think this is something every young dentist needs to understand is that you can have these conversations and you now move from from really being that salesperson that you don't want to be to being a true clinician and saying, look, we're just going to do the best with the cards we've been dealt. And it's not going to be on me if it fails because you didn't accept the lowest risk treatment plan.
2: Yeah. No, you know, I really appreciate your comments. I think to be honest, I had the same problem, especially as a young dentist, because the the word sell some sometimes came across as degrading. But I've learned over the years not to think about selling like that. Selling to me is education. Uh, selling to me is providing patients with opportunities that maybe they didn't know about. And there's nothing wrong with that. And and you know, just be able to say to people, you know. Mr. Jones, I don't want to give you a solution to a problem that you don't have, but this is what I see. And, you know, when dentists learn how to be able to describe the treatment, as you mentioned, with a risk-based treatment, the, the goal is if you're presenting treatment and patients turn you down, but they stay in your practice, you're doing it the right way. Nobody wants to be sold something where they're embarrassed because they can't afford it. And they're not going to come back. So, if if the patients are not coming back, you're doing something wrong. If they still come back, uh, I think you've gotten the right message, and and I think that's something that comes with. That's where the bandwidth and the education, the confidence from you as the clinician, it comes across, and then you offer the patient opportunities. Because I've had dentists that told me things like, you know, when you didn't tell me about the center, uh, what you did was deny me an opportunity to make my decision whether to come there. And I never really thought about that. So by not explaining things or not selling, you're denying people an opportunity to maybe appreciate something or do something that maybe they didn't know they could do and they could do. So I appreciate that when I go into any supermarket or any store to learn about things that maybe I do want and I didn't know I wanted them. And and I feel a totally different way about that word. Hey, Jeff, apparently
1: it's come to our attention that you and I suck at the news.
0: Yeah, Chad, um, I've actually kind of known that for a while. and, And that's why what we've had to do is give people more of what they really deserve, which is more JB. So we actually have a segment now called News on the Go with Dennis in the Know. In fact, I like the idea of JB's News on the Go with Dennis in the Know. So stay tuned for that. It's its own podcast. I'm really excited about it. And guess what? There's no Chad and Jeff.
1: I love I love what you just said. With your I just really with love your it.
3: observation of the resurgence of in-person learning because I I think I mean I feel the same way. I definitely am gravitating more towards um, being back in person and, and wanting to be in community with one another. Um, are you Are you hearing stories? Are you connecting with doctors who are there, and it's maybe saving them from the burnout and from the um tragedies and challenges that have come from uh, the last couple of years and just perhaps a lull or mid mid profession crisis sort of scenario the dip if you will how do you see in-person education changing the trajectory for doctors
2: well uh, that's a pretty big question uh, I would say I, I've certainly had dentists that, uh, appreciate the center so much they've told me they were thinking about getting out of dentistry and this has reinvigorated their career and that certainly has occurred at the center and I do think to be fair and I'm obviously biased I do think an in-person experience is a very different experience than a non in person experience, if you will, for whatever media way that that is, um, I think it's a little bit based on the type of content that you're trying to create, and when you're really trying to create a trans a transformational experience, it's not. It, it really works better, at least for me, doing it live when I can fully interact and be there live, there's a dynamic that is different for me. There are certainly other things that could be done in other media options, but for what we're doing, for example, I hear so many dentists say, I had no idea what this course was. It's so much more than the way it's described on the website. and, And what I learned from other dentists to be here was a totally different experience. And so uh, I've had one dentist from Poland tell me, uh, when I came here, I was a boy dentist, and now I'm a man dentist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like that.
2: That people relate to. It's it's a kind of funny thing. And I definitely think there's a place for each. Mm -hmm. um, But for what we're doing, we feel that this is our focus right now.
1: So in, in, in respect and being mindful of your time, I, I don't want to keep you all night. And, but I do have a, a final question I'd like to close with you on. Um, you, you've just been so insightful. I love everything that you're doing. love everything that you said, but.
2: It's hard to believe that time went so fast. Yeah. I know.
1: Well it did. And I think we kept you longer than build. So I apologize, but I do just, just one selfish request. So the last question that I have is that there's there's so much confusion when uh, students are coming out of dental school. And I get asked this all the time. What should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? If, if you could give one piece of advice to a, a, a soon-to-be graduate that maybe has time to make some changes in that last year, what what would that piece of advice be?
2: The last year of, you mean of dental school or? Of dental school, before they've dental even
1: school. gone on to residency, military, private practice, whatever.
2: Well, to be honest, uh, I would say, uh, I would answer that question based on the experience with my son. Obviously, my son is, is a prosthodontist doing all the surgery. And, and, you know, I think dental school is a great beginning. It, it, it gives us an opportunity to get started in this wonderful profession that we have. But I really feel what Jeff mentioned several times during this session we've had together is, is getting to be with a mentor or somebody that you can respect as early as possible that could help maybe create some guidance for you. Because you need somebody that's been through some of this To help you guide it, I I think gone are the days where you have to be the the explorer anymore and and create this journey on your own. It's it's too inefficient to do this on your own. You, You need to you need to surround yourself with supportive people. And I would say surround yourself by people that only people that make you better. If if you surround yourself by anybody that that doesn't do that, you need to move on. So I don't care what you're doing. If you if you add people that make you better, you're going to be on going on the right track.
1: I think that's very wise. Great advice.
2: words to end on, huh?
1: Very wise advice. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Okay, well, I'm going to have to leave this podcast now because I've surrounded my with myself with people who aren't <laughs> making me better, except for Dr. Coy. So I'm just oh, going yeah. to hang up now. <laughs> But it's been fun. I really enjoyed it, but I think this- Don't let the door hit you on the yeah. way out, yeah. JB. That was
2: that softball yeah. that we threw in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. <laughs> they
0: just
3: Very, keep coming. Yeah. Very
0: good at that. Very good at that. Well, John, thank you again for for being with us. Um, so appreciative of your time and of everything that, that you've given to dentistry and to so many of us out there. Um, you know, what can we say, but, but thank you. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks for everything you do. And I'll see you in Seattle soon.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll look forward, maybe at the 25th anniversary. Oh, like yeah. That's
0: a given that's already done. Sure. Yeah, that's a given, but hopefully before that then. July. Yep. <laughs> John, thank you so much. And, and for all the dentists in the know out there, um, if, if you are looking For somewhere to develop a philosophy and to surround yourself with a lot of like minded people willing to to drop their egos at the door, um, go out to the Koi Center. Uh, and and I'm saying that not because this is in any way an endorsement,
2: you have no conflict of interest, yeah,
0: no, no conflict of interest whatsoever. That's just me (laughs) talking about. How this has impacted my career, and I know JB and Chad's on his way. Um, all of us. So, John, thank you for everything. Thank you for your time tonight, and happy New Year to you. Thank you, and thank you and
2: all very much, Chad.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, and never be bashful to promote what you That's do. Right. That we are we are honored to have you promote what That's you do. Thank you so much. Comment.
2: I like that. There you go
1: all right
0: good night everybody
1: uh, have a wonderful evening good night. thanks good everybody
2: night. good night
0: and that wraps up another podcast for dentists in the know on behalf of dr jennifer bell dr chad de and myself remember that we've got a great profession so let's make it a great day dinks